all the people of war with you. And arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Please be seated. Well, good morning. We are getting so close. Good morning. There you all are. It's good to see you this morning. Good to have you in attendance with us. We have some gentlemen who are going to walk the aisles here. If you have been given a packet with an attendance card in there, if you'll push that toward the aisles, we'll pick those up so we can have a record of your attendance here this morning. I have forgotten my flyer that I meant to bring with me. That's all right. Please remember that next Sunday will be the last day of blaze, which means you will see neither my face here or, Mar um, or Michael's face here. You will see Clark Sims here. If you have never heard uh, Brother Sims, you are in for a treat. And if you're not sure, trust me, you're in for a treat. Now, this is to say also for those fifth grade and up, those fifth grade and up Bible classes next, meet, next week will all meet in here uh, for a collective Bible class, which will also be taught uh, by Brother Sims. So uh, make your plans, if you have not, to attend those things. Uh, if you'd like to host some folks, we would love uh, for you to be able to do those things. All of that's found uh, in the foyer in the back. We find ourselves today in Joshua chapter number 8. I am glad that uh, Brother Michael has allowed me to be a part of this Bible study with you. Here are the facts. I would like to preach on this too, and I'm glad that he asked me so I didn't have to horn in and say, give me some of those times. I surely do appreciate that. Matter of fact, he was kind enough to let me choose, and I chose Joshua chapter 7 because that's one of my favorites. And so he put on, on that, then get Joshua chapter 8 while you're up there. And I said, that would be wonderful. Can you imagine walking through that particular valley? The valley known as Achor, the one that when you see the name, automatically what pops into your mind is the word trouble. Can you imagine walking through that valley and seeing this pile of rocks? Knowing, knowing that underneath that pile of rocks is laid to rest a man and his family. It's a very sobering thought. The valley of Achor itself has to be a very sobering place. I would think in my mind I would seemingly approach it the way I would approach a cemetery. It's a very sobering place, and it's a very somber place, and I would probably, I think, walk through there and be respectful of the things that, that happened. I can imagine walking through that valley and standing and looking at that pile of rocks and thinking of Joshua chapter number 7. A lot of our events in our lives cannot be capped off in 30 minutes or an hour, or if you're of the Netflix generation, somewhere between 90 minutes 
and 120 minutes. Joshua chapter 8 is an ongoing process, really, from Joshua chapter number 6. In Joshua 6, we see the fall of Jericho as Israel goes out there and follows after the very plan of God and marches around that city, and the city falls down, and, and, and Israel takes that city. Behind the scenes in Joshua chapter 6, Behind the scenes at that battle that we are not aware of until Joshua chapter 7, Ai takes three things. And we don't find out about it till Joshua chapter 7. In Joshua chapter 7, what we find is a battle that Ai wins that they should have never won. And Achan and his family are punished because of what Achan did. And then there is chapter 8. What happens after the punishment of God for Israel? Does he continue to look at them and say, I can't believe you guys. You wouldn't follow after what I had to say, so I'm never going to bless you again. And if we're, if we're completely honest with ourselves, that's how we would probably think about it. I can't believe they didn't do what I said. I can't believe they brought sin in the camp. I can't believe this and that. And so because they have done those things, I'm just not going to have anything to do with them. Luckily for Israel and luckily for us, that is not the God that we serve. In chapter 8, he says, now it's time to get back to work. In verses 1 through 3, we see a gathering. Notice uh, Joshua chapter, verse, or chapter 8, beginning in verse number 1, where the Lord says, Fear not, and don't be dismayed, and I have given into thy hands the king, his people, the city, and the land. In verse 3, so Joshua arose, and the people of war, and they went up against Ai. It is the fact that God begins chapter 8 the same way he began the book. Go back to Joshua chapter number 1 for just a moment. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all the people unto the land which I give unto them, even the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, that I have given you, just as I had said to Moses, from the wilderness all the way through toward the, the setting of the sun down by the coast, all of those things are going to be yours." He told them from the very outset, I've given you this land. I have marked, uh, marked it out and given those things to you. Now you need to be led in there and take those things that I have given you. He revamps that statement in Joshua chapter 8 where he says this, Don't be afraid. Remember those promises that I made to you just eight chapters ago? They're still on the board. I'm still going to honor them. Now you have to get up and you have to do something. Notice what he says. I have given Ai and the king and his people and the land. I've given everything to you. I've given it all to you. Don't, don't be afraid. 
Go in there and get it. And then we see verse number 3. You know, in in chapter 7, as those spies of the army went out, they said, we can take two or or 3,000 people and we can defeat this small city. It's going to be no problem. Is there a problem? Yeah, they are defeated rather handily. They lose 36 men. Here in verse 3 of chapter 8, Joshua says, we're going to approach Ai a little bit differently this time. And he gathers the entire army. Not two or 3,000, which could probably do the job. He takes the entire mass of the army of Israel. He takes the entire force of God's army and descends that army onto Ai. He said, we're not taking any chances here. We're we're going to put all of our forces toward taking care of Ai and we're not going to pull back. You know, there, there is some logic and some insight into verse number 3, gathering all of the people. If you only carry two or 3,000, and perhaps those would be uh, battle stripes that they may have that they could lord over some other people. I was at the Battle of Ai, and you were not. I secured the freedom for our nation, and you did not. But it's the entire army that goes to Ai and takes over that small little city. With the exception, verse number 3, of some folks, and we're going to get to those folks here in just a moment. Notice the plan. And this is where we're going to get to the folks. plan is verse 4 through 8. We're going to have the entire army go out in front of the city of Ai, and they're going to get into a battle of sorts. We need all the best actors from Israel to be in, in this front. And, and the battle's going to start and everything's going to go and everything's going to look wonderful. And then we're going to stumble a little bit. We, the nation of Israel, we're going to stumble a little bit. And then AI is going to advance a little bit. And then they're going to advance further and further and further and further until we have pulled the entire army of AI outside of the city they were supposed to protect. And then, and then comes 30,000 from the hills who are called the mighty men of valor. That's in the King James Version. If you read in the King James Version and you read something called mighty men of valor or mighty men of war or just men of valor What you need to think about is the special forces group. This would be the special forces group of the the Israelite army. And as the Israelites have pulled Ai further away from the city, 30,000 of the special forces descend on the city and take it. Not a bad plan, huh? We're going to come... 
or we're going to flee, and you're going to come from behind. But there's a phrase in verse number 8 that, that we need to focus in on just for, for a few moments and understand what God said. For the Lord our God will deliver it, that is Ai, into your hands. Let's start right here with the Lord our God. Let's start with that particular phrase. Excuse me. The Lord our God will deliver it, AI, into our or your hands. You see that word Lord there, how it's L-O-R-D in all capital letters. That word is translated from a uh, Hebrew word that is known as the uh, formalized name, if he has such a thing. The formalized name of God. It comes from a word called the tetragrammaton. It's, it's four consonants in the Hebrew language. has no vowels to it. So if you say it as Yahweh or Yahweh or Yahweh or Jehovah, however you say it, uh, what's being said here is the formalized name, our God, will deliver Ai into our hands. Notice the appeal doesn't go to any god of the land, any of the, the pagan gods or, or any of the gods of the, the Philistines. This is to the one who suspends earth above his hand. This is the one who has created all things that we know, all things that we don't know, all the things that we can see and that we cannot see. This is the sustainer. This is the self-sufficient, independent one. This is the one who has given Ai into the hands of Israel. And there's not any one person, any group of people that can take it out of their hands. The only thing they could possibly do is say, we don't want it. So we have the Lord our God will deliver Ai into your hands. It's a done deal. Uh, y'all say that here? We say that back home. It can't get any itter than that. Y'all know that one. God says, this is yours. If you will, take it. There are some stipulations. Israel has to go and, and take it, but it is theirs. Notice this. For the Lord our God will deliver it into your hand. It's yours. The idea here, the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand, is almost as if they are standing there with their hands out and God is pouring water into it and all they have to do is catch it. This is a surety. This will not end the same way AI did last time. This will not end with the death of 36 Israelites. This will end with the overthrowing of a city moving on to the next city. And so there's your battle plan. And the question may come up, does it work? Does it work? Has God ever had a plan that failed? Does it work? Have you ever realized something? My favorite part about teaching class 
And it doesn't matter which class, it's first or second grade, or if it's the teenage class or the adult class. My favorite part about teaching class is when you have the student and they're reading along with you like this, and they finally get it and they go, oh. I love that, that look. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Hmm. That nothing has ever taken him by surprise? That he has never had, well, if this doesn't work, then we'll... God's plan always works. Now, did you hear that? For those who didn't, let me say that again. God's plan always works, and it always works to perfection if you and I work the plan the way God has planned it. And it's necessary that Israel work that plan that way, which they do, verses 9 through 26. And I think this could be the first recorded ambush in a battle. It's the difference between guerrilla warfare and traditional battle. Now, notice traditional battle for, for the day in which we're speaking. You'd have a group of men lined up right here, and then a group of men lined up right there. And they would have perhaps spears in one hand and maybe a sword clasped to their belt or perhaps just a sword and their shield. And as they look at these group of men here who don't like them, they walk right toward them. That's not, that's not a great battle plan. Especially if, for a majority of the time, your shield is a woven piece of wood. So you get right up next to them where you can see the whites of their eyes and you go to stabbing and whoever is standing at the end wins. However, if they retreat and I begin to pursue them, I never look back at those 30,000 who are coming and taking over that particular city. This was not traditional Warfare. This was outside of the box thinking, and AI didn't know what hit them. As you and I read from, 20, from 9 to 26, it looks like not only did Israel pull them out, out of the way where they could defend their city, but that Israel just sort of walked in and took over the entire city. Here we are. We win. What a great plan. Does it work? It absolutely does. Here's a reminder found in verse number 30 through 35. And the reminder in verses 30 through 35 is Joshua saying, remember what God has said. After this battle unfolds, he takes them to a couple of mountains by which is a valley in between. And it makes a natural um, amphitheater for him. One is the, va- uh, the uh, mountain of of Ebal, and the other is the, uh, the mountain of somewhere, uh, Gerizim. And so he divides up the nation, and I'm not sure how. I don't know if he says, all right, one, two, one, two, one, two, or if he just kind of says, all right, you group go over here, and this group go over there. But 
But he begins to divide them up on a mountain and begins to remind them of what happened last time they were at this particular two mountains. Notice verse number 34. And afterward, this is after the battle, he read all of the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that had been written in the book of the law. There are a couple of words in there that are the same that I'd like for you to either underline or circle or make some sort of notation beside so that your, your mind is drawn to them every time you see them. The word is all, A-L-L. He read all of the law to them. How long did that take? I'm like you, I get antsy sitting. And I get antsy sitting uh, in a specific amount of time. I, I think, well, I've got, I've got to stand up here. How long does it take Joshua to read all of the law? And he reads it to Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, in verse number 29, when Moses is there speaking, he speaks about Gerizim being blessed, those on the mountain of Gerizim being blessed by God, those on the Mount of Ebal being cursed by God. Hmm. I wonder, while jo Joshua is there speaking, are there those who were there during Deuteronomy 11, who stop hearing Joshua as much and start hearing Moses again. And you know, the law hasn't changed. You know why? Because it's given by the same God to the same group of people. It's just a different mouthpiece. God has blessings for those who follow Him. He has cursings for those who don't. And He has been very upfront and open about that. As a matter of fact, that's what Joshua is reminding them. Do you remember chapter 7? I guess in their minds he would say, do you remember Achan and his family? Do you remember what just happened with Ai? Do you understand that God blesses for certain purposes and curses for certain purposes? And it's whether or not I have been faithful in following him or not. Thus ends the what of Joshua chapter 8. That is what happens. You know the difference between a speech and a sermon? A speech tells you the what. A sermon tells you the so what. So what does this have to do with me? How do I apply these things to my life? Because number one, we don't have Gerizim and, and uh, those two mountains over here in, in Hot Springs. We're not going to, to gather up on two mountainsides and, and read the old law, are we? What am I supposed to learn? Number one, all the soldiers need to be gathered, period. Let's do a quick poll. 
How many of you, including me, have had to, at some point in time over the past 20 months, have had to live stream a worship service? Should I just be honest right here or should I just move on? I hate it. Personally, for me, I hate it. I'm not in the room with you. I don't get to talk to you. I don't get to, to be a part of your life. It's kind of like just checking off a uh, to-do list. There's an importance with all the soldiers being gathered. There's strength in unity. There's strength in the, the bond of, of being a soldier. And it's hard for a soldier and an army to fulfill the plan of the leader when we can't be in the same place at the same time. All the soldiers, all the soldiers need to gather. Number two, all the soldiers must follow the plan. When you and I look back at, at Joshua chapter 6, we even look at it and, and perhaps said, I'm guilty as most, uh, teach it as, as the nation of Israel did exactly what God said to do. And in a broad scope, they did, with the exception of Achan. You tell me how that worked out for him in chapter 7. And then how that bleeds into chapter number 8. It is the fact that all the soldiers must follow the plan. And that plan of God, as we mentioned earlier, always works. The battle plan of God always works. Consider this for just a moment. If there is a point in which God's plan did not work, how do you know God's plan of salvation worked for you? You're just going on a wing and a prayer? Maybe it did. I, I hope it did. <laughs> the fact is the fact. God's battle plan always works. If, if the battle plan is followed correctly. The battle plan today has been seen to be skewed at times. God's battle plan would say that mankind would hear what he has to say and believe those things, repent of his sin, confess that Jesus is the Christ and be baptized in water for the remission of their sins and then live a life that is faithful unto him. That would be God's battle plan for mankind throughout this life. Yet, you turn on religious uh, radio and television throughout our land, and you'll hear, all you have to do is believe God will do the rest. Hmm. You know, God's done His part. 
Jesus has done his part. The Holy Spirit has done his part with having us uh, or giving us a book of the knowledge of those things. Why do I not have a part? And if I don't and I'm lost, then it's God's fault, right? God's battle plan always works when it's followed correctly. Notice number four. All the soldiers need to be reminded of the captain and the consequences. In Hebrews chapter uh, number 12, we, Jesus the Christ is spoken of as being the captain of our salvation. We need to be reminded of who he is and why he is where he is. This is the second person of the Godhead. This is the one who took on flesh and became a person for the express reason of dying on a cross to save me from myself. Doesn't he deserve some respect? I need to be reminded of the consequences. Because realistically, in 2021, when we hear the word consequences, we think bad stuff. Not always the case. Was the case in Joshua chapter 7. Was not the case in Joshua chapter 8. The consequences in Joshua chapter 8 was that as you follow that plan, I'm giving you everything. I need to be reminded of the authority that the captain holds and the consequences that are forever. What about you today? As you look at this particular chapter, ask yourself this question. Are you a soldier? Would you fight in that battle? Are you a spectator? Are you an enemy? Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. Today is the day to put on that armor of God. Just as we looked at a moment ago through belief and repentance, through confession and baptism, you can put on the armor of God. You can become His child. You can become His soldier in His army. You can go to Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse number 10 and running through about verse number 18. Read about uh, that armor that you had put on. And the only thing I can find out and look and see where there might be a problem with this armor is with the man or woman who's wearing it. And here's why. You can take that armor off. You have the opportunity to take it off and no longer be associated with God or His army. But you need to understand one fact. God offers no protection for those who are not enlisted in His army and wearing the armor. He offers no protection. 
You want to go out there and try it on your own? God would say, that's your choice. And you might make it all the way through this life. And everything in this life might be great, but I'm going to tell you something. You will stand before the captain one day. And you will answer the question, where's your armor? Be his soldier. Be his good soldier. If you've never put on Christ in baptism, do that today. If you've taken your armor off, brother or sister, put it back on. And do those things right now while we stand and sing for your encouragement. Free.